All right, everybody, welcome back to the Long Lens Podcast. This is the podcast where I answer questions from my YouTube community and just talk about YouTube and filmmaking in general. So I think this is episode nine, which is pretty cool. We're coming up on 10 episodes. Uh, This has been a really fun way for me to just interact with my YouTube subscribers and also just talk about stuff that I think needs to be talked about. So yeah, this is probably going to be a little bit of a quicker Q&A. And just for a little update on gear, I've decided to try recording into one of my Comica microphones. So I'm recording into my little VM10 that VM10 is going into my Zoom H1. So I'm also in my closet, so it should be a little bit better audio quality. Sometimes it doesn't always take getting you know newer gear. Sometimes it just takes getting yourself in a better environment. So first things first, we don't have any questions from Patreon this month, which is fine. I'm not expecting everybody to have all of these questions every single month, but if you would like to join my Patreon group, not only am I gonna read your question and your name, but you also get behind the scenes videos and you get my $5 LUTs for free. Uh, that is if you join the behind the scenes tier. Back to business, I'm gonna go to the YouTube community page, which is where I got the most questions. And this month, I kind of wanted to center it around one specific subject. So this month, I kind of wanted to answer any YouTube related questions that you had for me. So I'm gonna go to my YouTube community page and I will start trying to get some of these questions answered. All right, so first question. Hi, Nigel. What do you think about the stabilizer on the GH4? I know it doesn't have that, so should I buy a lens with OIS or buy a gimbal? Yeah, so I think that if you're going to use the Panasonic GH4 and you're going to be doing a lot of handheld stuff, I would definitely say look into a lens with image stabilization. The Panasonic 12-35 to f2.8 is a great image stabilized lens. The Leica 12 to 40 is good too. All right, sorry, 12 to 60. The only problem is that's a variable aperture lens. I like the 12 to 35 a little bit better. Yeah, that's what I would suggest. Typically 2.8 is like the fastest aperture you're gonna get on image stabilized lenses. So if you did wanna use faster lenses, then yeah, getting a gimbal would probably be the best course of action. But sometimes even just making your camera heavier can stabilize your your shots a lot more. So maybe just try rigging it out or even, you know, back in my skate filmer days, I used to like put like weights on my camera handle. So then when I put my camera on, the entire package was just a lot heavier. That just made the footage a lot more stable. So that's a really cheap and easy way that you can get stabler handheld shots is just try rigging it up, not necessarily for looks, but more for weight. All right, next question. How do you get your key light to light your face, body, but leave the background relatively dark? How do you reduce spill? Well, this is a pretty easy question. The easiest way to do it is just to bring yourself further away from the background so that the light is less likely to hit the background. But if that's not an option, I would suggest looking at getting a grid. And that's gonna focus the light more on what you point it at and it's gonna reduce the spill a lot. So so yeah, look at a grid or they're sometimes called honeycombs and that'll help you with light spill. I have a 5D Mark II and I'm using the contact Zeiss glass. As you know, I'm shooting in 8-bit. I haven't liked any of the picture styles that are downloadable, such as Stinny style or Lightform. Do you think it's still worth shooting in 8-bit these days? Yeah, I still think that you can totally get away with shooting 8-bit. The older the camera is, the less good quality the 8-bit is going to be. Like the C200 has a great 8-bit codec, but cameras like the T5 
T2i isn't going to have a great 8-bit codec. So it just kind of depends on what camera you're shooting on. The 5D Mark II is pretty old and that codec is really kind of long in the tooth. So you might have to be very careful with how much you push your grades. If you're really trying to do a lot of color grading, you might not be able to do it with that camera. That being said, I have seen stuff from Johnny Van Volstrom over at the Creative North. He's done some pretty good looking stuff with the 5D Mark II. And keep in mind, you can hack that camera to shoot in RAW, which is going to give you, you know, 12-bit or whatever. So it's going to be way better than what you're shooting right now internally. So, yeah, consider that. As far as picture styles, I would say if you don't like CineStyle or Lightform, look at Vision Color or even Andrew Reid's C-Log. I really liked the C-Log profile when I used it on that little Canon T7 when I made that video recently. So... Consider that, but just remember you can't push 8-bit footage too far because it will start falling apart. All right, what software do you recommend for your demographic? People on a budget with zero budget at all. So yeah, it's pretty easy to recommend DaVinci Resolve, mostly because it's free, and secondly, because it's becoming more and more of a standard when it comes to an NLE. So before, I would say, you know, Premiere Pro is a pretty good NLE to learn, but now I would say DaVinci Resolve is way better to learn it that way because it's it's got, from what I hear, I don't really use it as an NLE, I still use it as a coloring tool just because I'm so used to Adobe Premiere as far as like cutting my films or my videos, but you can cut your stuff in DaVinci Resolve and get really good results. And it's got a lot of really cool stuff built in. The only problem is I'm pretty sure the free version only lets you export or work in a 1080p timeline so you won't be able to go above 1080p as far as i know buying it is just a one-time purchase of like 300 bucks or if you buy a black magic camera you get it for free which is pretty rad and i like black magic for that very reason that they just they give their pro level video editor and coloring tool for free with their cameras which is sweet okay next question how much work goes into setting up revenue streams and how do you keep them up to date and relevant, i.e. affiliate links, letpacks, uh, sponsor codes, etc.? Yeah, so I'll start with affiliate links. Those are pretty easy. They don't really expire as far as I know, but sometimes I do update them with different uh, pieces of gear that I use. I've updated a lot of like my more successful videos with better links to the products that I mentioned there because sometimes I'll put a link to a website or something like that that doesn't have the best price on that product. So I always want people to see the best price possible, especially when I'm talking about a piece of gear that I claim is a certain price. I don't want to link it to a B&H, you know, website that has it for way more than I think it's worth. LUT packs, I just try to release LUT packs whenever I get a new camera or really dial in a picture profile well. So those are pretty easy. I just sell them on my Squarespace site. All right, next question. Who are your favorite YouTubers? Oh man, I have way too many that I like watching. I guess recently, I really like watching Lewis Potts. He's got great cinematography videos. Again, Janiu, I think that's how you pronounce his YouTube name. He's got amazing stuff. And, you know, going back to the whole 8-bit, like versus 10-bit or whatever, or can you make 8-bit stuff look good? He shoots with a Sony a6400, and he makes that 8-bit stuff look so good. Granted, he uses the Phantom LUTs, but I just never knew that, you know, the Phantom LUTs would work and look go like so good on like footage from an a6400 like i know a6400 like that camera is amazing it shoots in you know i think 6k 
like downscale to 4k or whatever so it's super sharp and super good looking but the footage that he shoots you could have told me it was a 10-bit image i would have believed you so Janio is really good lewis potts i really like patrick tomaso he's got really good stuff i'm really liking his his movie breakdowns and reviews i'm trying to remember just off the top of my head i don't like to prepare my answers i just like to do it just on the spot i like mumbo is that his name he's another like cinematographer he's that minecraft guy he's really good too this isn't filmmaking related but my favorite youtuber to watch right now that's uh, kind of in the skateboarding realm is a youtuber called gifted hater he's a really funny guy to listen to and watch because he has a lot of really hot takes on the skateboarding industry which i like all right can you make a top five budget cameras you recommend thank you um yeah i could probably do that at some point a lot of these cameras that i've reviewed on my channel kind of already serve that purpose but yeah maybe doing a a top five budget cameras video would would be pretty cool what would you recommend as a budget-friendly 4k camera for youtube i mean if you want super super budget-friendly panasonic g7 if you have a little bit more money to spend i would say get the g85 because it has image stabilization but if you have a little bit more money to spend i would say get the olympus em1 mark ii because that not only has great image stabilization it also has great autofocus and if you want to get out of Micro Four Thirds, look into the A6100. That's pretty, that's like relatively affordable, I would say. And yeah, those are all the cameras that I would probably recommend as far as like budget 4K stuff. If you had to start from scratch, how would you build a new YouTube channel? What would you do different or keep it the same? Also, I'm asking this question with a money-making perspective. When I often start things as a passion, my attention and focus fades unless a gradual monetary benefit gotta pay the bills i totally agree with that um well i had started a new channel for my van all about like van stuff and camping it's not so much a channel that i've been keeping up with now that i'm in texas because i'm just not doing as much camping but if i was going to start a new filmmaking channel i feel like there's a really easy like cheat code to like get a lot of views as a filmmaking channel and it's something that i never really wanted to do because it just it doesn't seem fun to me and i know that you know like there's a monetary aspect towards like you need to pay the bills and whatnot but at the same time if you're hating what you do and you're just getting so bored then what's the point just go get a regular job and make money that way but something that i've seen a lot of smaller channels do to blow up big is they'll buy the newest camera talk about it shoot a really cool thumbnail and have the name of that camera in their video and then they'll just return it and they'll make a video like that and they'll have the camera for like five days and then make a full review of the camera and that just that really serves the algorithm well and it gets you a lot of views through search and recommended that's that would be the route that i would probably take too if i was starting a brand new channel my channel is really focused on like budget filmmaking so me buying the latest three to six thousand dollar camera and reviewing it on my channel just for the the clickbait and the the new hype of the new cameras doesn't really make sense like my channel isn't about that i'm not out here trying to buy the latest and greatest gear i want to show you how to make great stuff no matter what gear you have but if i was starting a brand new channel like a filmmaking youtube channel I would just start buying all the cameras, reviewing them, returning them, or renting them, or whatever, and just use the the latest and greatest gear as searchable titles in my YouTube videos, and that's how I would try to get views. You know, getting a lot of views will bring a lot of attention to that video, and if you have a lot of attention on that video, you can put affiliate links, which is how I would personally 
I would push like affiliate marketing as like a way to make money from the get go, maybe try a Patreon. But I would, once I started getting traction, I would probably reach out to brands and see if they wanted to sponsor some videos of mine. That's how I would go to look to pay the bills. What is the background about the move to Texas? Thank you. Uh, not really super long story. It's just, this is where my wife is from and all of her family and friends live here. So we just decided to move down here to be closer to them. I'm from Oregon originally, and that's where I met my wife. And her and I lived in Oregon, obviously, for the first four years that we've been married. But now we just wanted to spend some time in Texas closer to her family. So that's the reason. All right, you said your go-to lens is the Olympus 12-40 on your EM-1. Have you ever used the 40-150 f2.8? If so, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I've never used the 40-150, mostly because I just don't shoot in that focal length very much. So that's the main reason why I've never used it. But yeah, the Olympus 12-40 is a really good focal length for Micro Four Thirds. I think that's a 24-80 to 80 equivalent field of view. That's like perfect for most situations. Uh, the only problem with that lens is that it's just not very fast. F2.8 on Micro Four Thirds is good, but it's not great. Hey Nigel, just wanted to say thanks for all the awesome content that you've put out. Your channel has been a inspiration. God bless. Thanks. That's really cool to hear. All right, so those are all the questions from my YouTube community, but I did a little bonus Q&A ask on my Instagram, best focal length lens you recommend for sports videography using the S5. Um, if I was going to shoot on the S5, I'd probably want the tried and true duo, which is a 24 to 70 and a 70 to 200. Those are the two lenses that I would want if I was shooting sports, just because on the wide end, you can shoot a lot of stuff at 24 millimeters. Then at the super long end, you have a 70 to 200, 200 millimeters is probably more than enough for shooting sports. All right, who was your favorite skateboard filmer? That's a really good question, especially since this podcast is called the Long Lens Podcast. My favorite skate filmer was probably either Jason Hernandez or Dan Wolf. I also really like Ty Evans, but who doesn't like Ty Evans, right? If you ever have the opportunity, if you like watching skate videos, Closure by Dan Wolf, one of my favorite skate videos. It's super long. It's just like this long like documentary that he made about his life as a skate filmer that he released like in the early 2000s. Really good skate video. Is it cool to create even though you feel like the film area of YouTube is already booming? Now that is a really great question to end this off with and I think that everybody has a voice and everybody can demonstrate something or teach something or entertain in a totally different way. So forgive me for using a skateboarding analogy, but I like to explain it in this way. Like if someone was going to teach me how to crooked grind and, you know, person A is like, oh, you just have to go at an angle and just jump up and pretend that it's a nose slide, but get your truck onto it and then just ride it out. Even though that person A can do the trick and what he's telling me is correct, it might not be the way that I need to learn it. Does that make sense? So if person B said, well, Nigel, just kind of think of it like a nose slide, but just remember you have to heel pinch and not toe pinch. Cause if you toe pinch, you're going to stick and you're going to get really frustrated. So remember just, it's a heel pinch and you just need to stay centered above your board. Person B is going to have a lot better way of explaining it to me than person A. Whereas person A probably could explain it to someone other than me. And that's kind of how I feel the filmmaking education and just entertainment 
like section of YouTube is like almost every filmmaker on YouTube has probably said or taught or made a video about a technique or a piece of gear that has already been talked about. Like Film Riot has probably covered every filmmaking technique and most big filmmaking pieces of gear that you could ever want to know. But some people don't want to just watch Ryan Connolly teach you how to do something. They want to watch someone else like Danny Gewurz or Matty Hapoya or Lewis Potts because they just have a different approach to teaching you what they know. And I feel like because of that, like if you want to start a filmmaking YouTube channel, I would say go for it. I would suggest maybe leaning out of the education part of filmmaking and maybe try going a different route if you want to, you know, be a filmmaking related YouTube channel. But yeah, I definitely don't think that there's too many people in the space. I think everybody has a unique voice and you could be the person that could explain a technique the way that somebody really needs to hear it. So yeah, with that, I'm just going to end it off. That is all the questions that I got for May. I'm planning on having a, another guest on the podcast this month. We'll see if that happens, but I'm really hoping that it does. So anyways, thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast and listening and yeah if you would like to support me on patreon again i'm going to have links to that in the show notes below yeah once again thank you so much for listening and i will catch you all next time later